Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park successful why is tony khan running his promotion better than vince mcmahon and bruce pritchard are running monday night and friday night long term booking guys thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again today this is episode 419 of off the script it is thursday march 3rd 2022 i am your host jd from new york and as always i am coming to you from the ots venue thank you guys for joining me on your thursday nights wherever you may be Pat McAfee, for the first time in nearly 20 years, he said. Vince McMahon was live in studio. He was dressed up, ready to answer whatever Pat McAfee had lined up as far as questioning is concerned. Did we get that big, big rumor coming out of SmackDown last week about Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon? At WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, Texas. And surprisingly, we did not get anything McAfee and Vince McMahon related as far as in-ring at WrestleMania. But we did get not one but two WrestleMania announcements via Vince McMahon on Pat McAfee. We're going to talk about it. I got the entire interview transcribed. We're going to go over the most important things that Vince McMahon talked about. And we're going to have a good time with that because I know it was a highly, highly viewed uh, live stream today on YouTube. Almost 80,000 people watched Pat McAfee and Vince McMahon on the Pat McAfee show. So we're going to talk about that right here on the podcast. Also, I have news and more news on Ring of Honor being purchased by Tony Khan. Ring of Honor now is being led by Tony Khan. AEW is going to be in a prime position to continue building what they're doing on Turner Networks. Ring of Honor 
reportedly is going to be the territory for AEW, a developmental per se. And we have news on that and what happened, how everybody found out that Tony Khan was purchasing Ring of Honor. What is the current plan for Ring of Honor and what it means for not only pro wrestling, but for AEW moving forward in their three years of existence, man. This is a big, big deal. I had people on social media chime in because they fucking hate their lives and they do nothing but complain. Oh, why is this a big deal? He bought a nothing promotion. He bought a dead promotion. Oh, really? Really? It's funny you say that because most of the top stars that you see on WWE television came from that dead promotion. So this is a big deal. And I'm going to go over again why this is a big get for Tony Khan and AEW. I got news on Revolution. We may be getting a surprise debut at Revolution. Who it is? I don't know. I got news on Keith Lee. Reportedly, there was a report about Keith Lee having backstage attitude issues in WWE. I mean, why wouldn't he have attitude issues? They gave him the moniker of Bearcat. Give me a break. I would have a fucking attitude as well if I'm Keith Lee. I got news on Asuka. A report on her return to follow up what I talked about on Monday. And we got news on Triple H. There is another firing that I don't really see a lot of people talking about that directly correlates to Triple H. And now people are fueling the speculation about Triple H's future with the WWE. So we have a lot to go over today right here on Off The Script, episode 419. And I appreciate you guys very much for joining me on your Thursday nights. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other stuff that I've uploaded this week. We got the, you know, no Monday Night Raw, but we got uh, AEW Dynamite. We got the podcast from Monday afternoon, 418. We talked about the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar's situation. That WWE is doing a unification match. But the thing is, there will still be a WWE and Universal Championships on separate brands. I don't think WWE realizes what the definition of unification means. So that is the news there. If you missed that, that's on Monday. Go check it out. Everything you need is on the homepage right now. Go check out my sponsor for today's show. That is Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. You guys are going to get 30 days free of their service and one free audio book of your choice. Everybody loves some free shit, and it helps me out. And Audible's happy when you use our link, audibletrial.com slash script. 30 days free and one free audio book when you sign up using our link. So thanks to Audible as always. And make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. Let's try for a 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS 419. Let's start off with Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee, and we'll roll on through the interview that was in the studio today live on the Pat McAfee show. Vince was actually late. The interview was supposed to take place at 2 p.m. 
Vince showed up at 12, uh, 2 rather, 2.23 p.m. And I actually sat through most of the show, a lot of football talk. Pat McAfee's got a nice setup there. I really admire what he's done with his, with his show. It's something that I would love to take the brand to. It's something that I would love to take off the script to at some point in its life cycle. So kudos to Pat McAfee. He's doing it big, and uh, he's got quite the show, man. I, I will say that. So Vince showed up at 2.23 p.m. McAfee said he appreciated Vince McMahon appearing in the studio because this is big for his show in particular. Vince talked about ceilings and ceilings in professional wrestling. Vince said everything he and his staff do is calculated and he listens to them before making decisions. I find this to be a bold-faced lie. I really think this is a bold-faced lie. So right out of the gate, as soon as Vince shows up, he's lying through the fucking skin of his fucking teeth. Vince questions his staff. He listens to them before making decisions. I don't think that's correct at all. Bruce Pritchard does what he needs to do, and Bruce Pritchard books the show like Vince McMahon would book the show, and if Vince doesn't like anything, he's going to change it no matter what Bruce thinks or says or what John Laurinaitis thinks or says or anybody else on that management side of things, on Vince McMahon's team, thinks or says. Vince is going to do what Vince wants. He's going to question nobody. He doesn't question anybody. This is a bold-faced fucking lie. And when Vince is not there... Bruce runs the show the same way that Vince would run the show. And Vince knows that the show is in good, in, in his, it's not, it's not in good hands. Don't let me, don't misconstrue what I say. But it, it's in Bruce's hands. Vince thinks it's in good hands because Vince is going to get what he wants through Bruce. Bruce is a mini Vince McMahon. This is why I always go after Bruce. It's easy to go after Vince, but this is the reason why I go after Bruce Pressure. So, He moved on and talked about streaming. The WWE Network, on the decision to move to streaming, Vince said lawyers try to tie your hands in terms of creativity and owning you, and for him, it's more about creative control and creating your destiny. Vince stays out of the conversation when people try to pat him on the back. I'm just who I am. He then says if he listens to the positives, then he has to listen to the negatives, and he's not big on negatives. The whole fucking show is negative. No wonder people don't give a shit about what I say. This is Vince McMahon's mentality. They don't want to deal in the negative. They want to turn a blind eye. They want to turn the other way. And they want to ignore the fucking negative. What what is positive? What exactly is positive coming out of the show? Is positive in the bank accounts that WWE's meddling in. They got all this fucking money coming in from a bunch of different avenues. There's a positive there. But as far as what you're doing on television, there's no positive. So all you're going to get is negative. He, he, he loves to listen to the positives. He loves to listen to the positive. He doesn't like to listen to the negative. He's not big on negatives. Because everything you do is fucking negative. That's why. That's why you don't want to hear the fucking negative. Give me a break with this shit. Vince says, the members of the media will say what they want to say. If people think you're an asshole, you can't change that. I'm a good guy. I love my family. Oh, yeah? You love your family? Let's ask Paul Levesque what he uh, thinks of you or what you think of him. Huh? Come on now. If people think you're an asshole, you can't change that. I'm a good guy. I love my family. He said you can't change 
perception when you are a public persona. He only cares what the general public thinks. Oh, yeah? You care what the general public thinks? We've been saying your show sucks for the longest fucking time, Vince. Where are you on that aspect? We're the general public, aren't we? We're a paying customer, aren't we? You care what we think. But at the end of the day, we know it's all bullshit. He said, it took a while to stop caring about the critics. So clearly you know why the show is where it is right now and why it's so terrible. He stopped caring about the fucking critics because if you listen to the critics, he may have a fucking iota of a clue as to what is wrong and what needs to be fixed. Vince said he can't care what the media says or what people who don't understand him say about him. Bunch of bullshit. Right out of the gate, right off the top, bunch of bullshit. So obviously Pat McAfee talked about the word wrestling on not liking the word wrestling. Vince says he wanted to separate from everybody else. Said his dad had his own brand, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, and it was brilliant. Vince joked that the panda got us, meaning the World Wildlife Foundation, WWF. The panda got us, and he didn't know what the World Wildlife Fund existed or or was. He didn't even know it existed, and it was a no-win lawsuit because the company was tried in England, so he decided to get the F out. So that was the whole campaign when uh, World Wrestling Federation was going away, and we got... World Wrestling Entertainment, the whole catchphrase there was get the F out. So that's exactly what he came up with as far as uh, battling the World Wildlife Fund here. Said it was a no-win, get the F out. So I actually quite liked that. I thought that was quite creative there as far as uh, when that happened back in the day. I remember that vividly, getting all the promotional material for that and get the F out, WWE. It it was uh, something that took a little bit getting used to, but I think we... All got used to it at the end of the day. Vince says he, had a, he has a lot of creative people in the company, and he listens because you can't learn if you're talking sometimes. Vince says he listens because you can't learn if you're talking. Vince doesn't listen to anybody. This is complete bullshit. This is Vince. This is Vince on a public forum, on a podcast, a very popular show, and he's deflecting all of what is known about him and masking it to create him as something that he's not. Vince doesn't listen to anybody. There's a lot of creative people in the company. That may be true, but how many of their ideas and how much of their creative actually gets used? And what is used, how much of it can we say is fucking creative? I don't think anything on WWE creative, uh, or WWE television rather, is creative in any sense of the word. So Vince is already, this is not even 10 minutes in, already lying through the skin of his ass. It's quite sad to see. Vince Vince then announced that he will be inducting The Undertaker into the WWE Hall of Fame. So uh, I, I think we had a long list of names that could have been Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, Kane, his wife, Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love. But Vince McMahon is going to do it because this is Vince McMahon's greatest creation, not named WrestleMania. So he's going to do it, and it's going to be special. And Vince doesn't do things like this. He was totally against doing things like this, but he's doing it for The Undertaker. So that goes to show you how important The Undertaker is to Vince McMahon. McAfee talked about competition, and he specifically mentioned AEW and mentioned that AEW did buy Ring of Honor. Vince says he loves confrontation, and he said that he lived through the beating 
as a kid, so he has nothing to be afraid of. Vince said there was never a conversation about Taker going to WCW, not one. He said competition makes him better. Competition makes him better. Where? AEW's been around for three years now. Where has AEW made WWE better? In fact, WWE has gotten worse with AEW on television. How that is, I don't know. I don't know. Vince then goes on and talks about growing up in the trailer park, and he didn't think he was somebody until around WrestleMania 4 or 5, but he said he's just like everybody else, and he's fortunate to do what he does, and he's fortunate to be alive. Pat McAfee followed up on a statement saying that he's lucky to be alive. Vince says he's just lucky to do what he loves. Vince said it's just business when he lets people go, and sometimes people need to look in the mirror, but they like to pass blame. Let me repeat that. Vince says it's just business when he lets people go, and sometimes people need to look in the mirror, but they like to pass blame. No, WWE isn't to blame for anything. Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are not to blame for anything. It's just business when he lets people go. Is it just business to bury people on television? Is it just business to keep people off of television and not not use them in a creative manner when you could be using them to make your shows better? Was it business just to let 200 people go during the middle of a pandemic, some of which that could have easily been the face or faces of this company on Raw and SmackDown? WWE says that those people love to pass blame. Whose fault is it? They're leaving their careers in your hands and then you give them nothing in return. Not one single fucking thing do you do for any of those people. But they're the ones to blame. Keith Lee is the one to blame because he couldn't get over after three different fucking theme song changes and Bearcat Keith Lee was born on Monday Night Raw. Karrion Cross is to blame. You took him from NXT and you changed his fucking gimmick. You stripped his wife from the act. You changed his fucking theme. You gave him a fucking Ninja Turtle outfit and you sent him out there to fucking fail. I'm sure Karrion Cross is to blame for that because he wanted it, right? That was all his idea, right? For Scarlett, his wife, to be stripped from the act. Keith Lee have three different theme song changes and then put fucking purple bear claws and and that's a bear cat on the back of his fucking shorts, right? Yeah, I'm sure they're to blame. I'm sure they're to blame. And people are still thinking that bear cat right was the reason why Keith Lee chose the gimmick for himself, paying homage to bear cat right. Give me a fucking break. They do not ever accept blame on anything. Vince named WrestleMania 1 as one of his favorite moments. He talked about not having the money. And he said he had to fund the first WrestleMania himself. Uh, Pat McAfee asked if he has seen the person who plays him on Young Rock. Vince said no. Pat McAfee said, will you ever see who plays you on Young Rock? And, and Vince said, probably probably not. And then he recalled the story about Jim Ross, who told him about Bill Watts trying to figure out what to do about Vince going national. Vince said that four promoters were in the restroom talking about how to take Vince out. And JR happened to hear this in the restroom stall, pulling both of his feet up so he couldn't be seen on the other side of the door as Mother Nature is calling at the same time. 
So people want to legitimately take out Vince McMahon. In what manner? I don't know. So that's why Vince McMahon probably, there was probably more than several occasions where Vince McMahon was uh, in a situation where his life was at risk or he was being threatened, his life was being threatened. I don't know what that means, but take him out. I guess kind of devise something in your own mind about that one. But uh, that was a cool story. I did not know that. I kind of laughed at that one. Saudi Arabia, Vince says that people in the area there are just like other people. And WWE has had a presence there for years. And the fans there are enthusiastic about Western culture, even though they don't love our government. He said WWE fits in everywhere. Vince said people are people and cultures are cultures, and you have to respect that. WWE actually took themselves out of uh, the USSR. They took themselves out of Russia. WWE Network no longer being uh, promoted or uh, shown in Russia due to the Russia-Ukraine situation. A lot of people got on WWE's case about pulling out of Russia and cutting ties with uh, their product and Russia. And WWE still in bed and still doing what they're doing with Saudi Arabia. So they got a a ton of uh, PR nonsense tonight on social media. So you you can imagine that. But Vince did mention Saudi Arabia and he says he loves the fans over there. And WWE is truly worldwide. Vince was asked how he finds time to do so much. Vince says he's not like anybody else in the world. He finishes training around 3 a.m. He starts at 1.30 a.m. He says he overtrains even though it's not good for him, but it's the only thing that is socially acceptable to let the aggression out. He does it for his head more than he does for his body, and he tries to eat right. It really helps me more mentally and psychologically so he can handle the things that come at him. Vince says he hasn't had doubts about what he's wanted to do, but sometimes he'll make decisions and learns from the mistakes. He said he doesn't have a down day. Let me repeat that last line. Vince says he hasn't had any doubts about what he's wanted to do, but sometimes he'll make decisions and he learns from his mistakes. Oh, really? Oh, really? How many how many instances have you guys seen over the last, I don't know, I would say 18 to 24 months just on Raw and SmackDown by themselves where mistakes seemingly happen every single week. He'll make those decisions and not think anything of it and continue to make the same fucking mistake every single fucking week. So where is he learning from his mistakes? Vince is a bullshit artist. Vince is a wrestling promoter. He's selling you on who he is not. This is all bullshit. WWE Network, on starting the network before streaming was a big deal, Vince says he makes decisions based on common sense. The WWE Network was a monumental thing. I loved the WWE Network. Not so much on Peacock, but the original WWE Network, I loved it. I thought it was unbelievable. And a lot of people now, all you see is streaming services. And Vince did mention that a lot of people were... You know, kind of criticizing him about the WWE Network. Is it going to work? Is it, is it going to work out for him? I don't know if it's a good idea, yada, yada, yada. And now everybody wants to get in bed with a streaming service. Everybody wants to go directly to streaming on demand. So WWE, obviously, a leader in that as well, where they thought people thought it was going to fail, and WWE was making a mistake. Vince obviously proved them wrong, and he sold the intellectual property of WWE's back catalog for the next five years over $1 billion to Peacock. Vince, sometimes he knows what he's doing. When it comes to money, he knows what he's doing. 
When it comes to pro wrestling, he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Vince was asked about how much he thinks about the future. Vince says he loves branding and marketing the word stupendous, being not used much in everyday things. That's the stuff he likes to think about. Everything's got to have a branding. Everything's got to have some sort of marketing behind it. Why don't you just let the pro wrestling speak for itself? That's, that's to me, the best way to go about it. Stupendous. All, all this is going to do is going to make you look a lot more on natural and a lot more just staged, you know? It's very, very unorganic. It doesn't roll off the tongue. A lot of people look at it as cheesy. They just want to watch WrestleMania. They just want to watch the biggest pro wrestling show of the entire year. And we want to see great in-ring action. That's what we want to see. Not a stupendous WrestleMania. We don't need none of that. WWE doesn't need to do that, but that's what they do. Vince says he's wide open in regards to being creative. And you have to be able to accept whatever comes in from whatever source. He feels that he has a second wheel going on his brain sometimes and a third one. But sometimes it can get very confusing. In regards to being creative, you have to be able to accept whatever comes in from whatever source. Vince doesn't take creative from whatever source. Vince takes creative from Vince's source. Vince is the creative. I don't know if he goes through anybody else not named Bruce Pritchard. Again, bullshit. In regards to balancing thoughts about the future and the current product, he says he doesn't always know where things are going, but if some, something comes available, he figures how WWE is able to fill it and fit it in. Vince says when someone graduates from WWE, you know how to treat people and you show respect because respect is huge in everything we do. Vince said people hug each other and shake hands backstage, and the basis of that is that wrestlers have to work with each other to avoid serious injury. So when you graduate from WWE, you know how to treat people and you show respect because respect is huge in everything we do. You know who stands out and makes this completely untrue? Braun Strowman. Didn't he... And still is, go on social media to this day. He's still answering the haters. He's still being a big fucking dickhead, a big troll on social media when someone doesn't like what he's doing. He always blasts them in the way he usually blasts people on social media. Braun Strowman is a a rare example. I don't know who else in WWE is showing lack of respect out there after their life in WWE, but Braun Strowman clearly didn't get the M.O. about respect. You graduated from WWE. You were let go in unceremonious fashion, but he clearly didn't graduate with respect, being that Vince said that everybody that graduates has this level of respect. McAfee says Vince always listens to him during their chats. McAfee says everyone sees Vince as a robot, And people think he will live forever. Vince said before he dies, he wants one second to say thank you. And he wants to be thankful to be alive. McAfee says he was about 26 years left to go. And he is going to live to 101, the same age that his mother lived to. Please, Pat, please don't, 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 don't. Don't put that out there in the universe. I'm not saying I want anything to happen to Vince McMahon. But if he's living to 101, 
he's fucking running WWE and run the show at 101. I don't want that. Nobody wants that. On talk about WWE no longer being his one day, Vince says if you build something, he wants it to prosper and grow with or without a family member. Boy, they're really throwing truth right at you in plain sight. Vince says if you build something, he wants it to prosper and grow with or without a family member, and he wants it to prosper even if you are not a part of it. Vince says he always expected more from his family members and you have to do the right thing for business. And if things are not working out, then you shouldn't be a part of the company. There was a lot in there that kind of speaks to you about what currently is going on in WWE. And things that I've pretty much talked about in nauseam on this very show. Vince talks about WWE not being his one day. There will be one day where it's not his. It will not be Shane's. It will not be Stephanie's. It will not be Triple H's. It's going to Nick Khan, and Nick Khan is going to be the one who runs WWE. Vince has entrusted Nick Khan, who's only been there a year and a half, the president of WWE. He's entrusted Nick Khan more so with anything over everybody else that he's known for years and has worked alongside him for years. Vince does not want a family member to run the show and run the company because Vince wants the vision of the company to remain long after he's gone. And Vince is putting a team in place that is going to carry out that vision of WWE. If it went into the hands of Paul Levesque, WWE would be drastically different and people would actually probably want to see more of what Triple H is doing compared to what Vince McMahon did for World Wrestling Entertainment. He doesn't want anybody in the family to change his vision. He's only going to trust people who are going to maintain that vision. And if you are not a part of the family, he doesn't give a shit. As long as his vision is taken care of and his vision is played out. But WWE, they let Shane McMahon go. Vince fired his own son. He completely blackballed his son-in-law. Triple H is married to his daughter. Triple H was removed from power. And I don't understand how Vince can say if you build something, he wants it to prosper and grow with or without a family member. Triple H saw NXT prosper. Triple H saw NXT grow into something that was tremendous and beloved by everybody. Vince killed it. And now he himself is running it. And Bruce Pritchard's running it. He wanted to prosper and grow, but all he did was actively kill the fucking brand. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire 
faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He wants it to prosper and grow, but he took away the one thing that was allowing it to prosper and grow. And he expected more from his family members. What more did you want Triple H to do? What more did you want Triple H to do? You put him in a situation that was unwinnable. You put him in a situation that was inevitable. And you only put him in that situation because you wanted him to fail and you were looking for him to fail so you could place the blame easily on him instead of combating what you should have been doing instead of him, instead of combating yourself, you put him in that position so you couldn't blame anybody but him. Because you certainly were not going to blame yourself. Vince is a bullshit artist. Things right for the business. If they're not working out, then you shouldn't be a part of the company. Triple H is not a part of the company. Vince found fault in what Triple H was doing. Goodbye. Family members or not, WWE will be run by a non-McMahon. Nick Khan is running the show. Vince says he wanted to offer something to Pat McAfee. And I'm like, okay, this is it. This is where we're getting this WrestleMania match. Vince says he wanted to offer an opportunity for Pat McAfee to wrestle at WrestleMania. Vince did not say that he would be the one to wrestle Pat McAfee. So this came off more as he's inviting Pat McAfee to WrestleMania to step into the ring at WrestleMania, but not with him. Vince could barely speak during this interview. So I don't expect him to get into the ring and do anything wrestling related. I do think that we will see Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory, and the rumor and innuendo and speculation will be running rampant about Vince hand-choosing an opponent for WrestleMania, I could absolutely see the people talking on social media about Cody Rhodes being the hand-picked one to wrestle Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. So we will see what happens. But I would assume it would be Austin Theory, and we may get Austin Theory on Monday Night Raw come Monday, uh, sit down with Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon propose this offer to Austin Theory, and then we see Austin Theory show up on Friday night to kind of set the ball uh, moving with WrestleMania and Pat McAfee's match. But all this did was kind of eliminate Vince McMahon from the whole speculation pool. And I'm glad that is. I don't don't have a feeling anymore that Vince McMahon is wrestling at WrestleMania. Will he be at WrestleMania, potentially in Austin Theory's corner, if that is the case, or whoever he chooses in that person's corner? Yes. But I don't see Vince McMahon getting actively involved in a full-fledged match at WrestleMania. Vince was asked if it's harder to create superstars. Vince says it's a team effort when creating superstars. It's also a team effort to kill and bury superstars. They don't create superstars. That's the thing. WWE hasn't created superstars in a very, very long time. They're in the process of doing that with a couple here, a couple there in NXT. But Triple H was doing that far better when he was running NXT in its glory days. Vince doesn't know a superstar 
Vince doesn't know what it takes to be a top superstar. Vince doesn't know what a top superstar looks like anymore. He's creating superstars. It's a team effort. But they haven't created a superstar in years. Bullshit. Vince then went into a story about The Undertaker being pressured into doing the spinneroonie and also breaking character. He almost broke character, he says. And Vince says he uses the term superstars instead of wrestlers or professional wrestlers because he says anyone can wrestle. And do you want to be a professional wrestler or do you want to be a WWE superstar? And WWE superstar sounds better than a professional wrestler. Depending on who you talk to, sure it does. Not everybody thinks or feels that same way and not everybody wants to be a WWE superstar. He said you have to have acting talent and the want to grow because if you're not growing, then you're dying and you have to really get into your character in the ring and some people are confused and act the same in their private life. Vince says the really good ones are all in with their character and they can shut it off after the show. Vince says it's important for mental health to not be the same character out of the ring. That's just, to me, the way I interpret that is, yes, I do get what he's saying, but I also get a sense of underneath all that Vince just said there is that Vince hates professional wrestling. Vince does not believe in the professional wrestling aspect of characters. He wants everybody to be themselves at the end of the day. Some people are going to go to that extra length and go that extra mile to play their fucking character. I remember when Tommaso Ciampa, when, when, when he was the NXT champion, and he was doing that stone-cold fucking just, you know, psycho killer shit. He would not take a picture or sign an autograph with anybody. That's how in the zone he was with his character. Matt Hardy, he was in the broken shtick everywhere he went. He could be in the supermarket. He'd be deleting. He'd be in the supermarket talking about fucking uh, Vanguard 1 and House Hardy and the Lake of Reincarnation. Everywhere he went. I remember I met Matt Hardy at a wrestling convention and he did the shtick with everybody and when it was his time to get up and leave, he was still doing it. Everywhere he goes, he does the shtick. And I appreciate that. The level of commitment, I don't think Vince really understands that for some people. So he's not really in with what professional wrestling is today. It's all in the WWE bubble. Professional wrestling doesn't dwell in the WWE bubble. Vince said during COVID, he never wanted to miss a show and he credited the performers for working hard at what they do. Vince acknowledged the things that were different with the NFL because they're a little more higher profile. At least he admitted it. Vince talked about doing shows at the Performance Center with no audience and how difficult that was for the performers. Of course it was. They're not wrestling in front of anybody, and there's no sounds. I I don't even think in the beginning they actually heard the piped-in crowd noise. I think after a while, when WWE was starting to get the flow of what they were doing inside the Thunderdome, then they started to incorporate that because it was a little bit easier on the people working in the ring. They had that, that artificial sound that they could feed off of. It's not real, obviously. It's not going to be as genuine as a real crowd, but at least it was something instead of the silence. I remember those stories coming out of the the Thunderdome shows, and it was bad. I felt bad for everybody. So WWE did the best that they could 
for the performance because I, I can guarantee you that nobody ever wants to wrestle in front of an empty arena ever again. I don't know how we and they got through it. I, I don't understand it. It takes a lot. And some people, believe it or not, some people did some of the best work that they've done. I remember some of the promos that those guys were cutting in the silence of the Performance Center. Oh, my goodness, man. Some of those promos, Edge cut great promos, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins. I remember those promos during the Performance Center days, right in the middle of it, right after WrestleMania, right before WrestleMania. Some great fucking shit, man. Really. It it just set the tone. But WWE, we all got through it. They got through it. They didn't do... uh, What they needed to do in the early stages, they were very lackadaisical about it. They wanted to really go and break the rules. Were they an essential business? Who knows? But they got through it. And to be quite honest, I'm glad that they did because it was something that we needed. Even though it sucked and even though it wasn't the same, it was something that I think we needed. And I appreciate it because I'm a content creator and us content creators had content to create. With WWE not missing a show. If they missed a show, I don't know what I'd be doing on here, man. I don't know if any of us would still be here. That was a long, long time. And I appreciate that WWE did what they did. Finn says, WWE has a focus group every night. The fans at shows. And it does not matter what he wants if the fans say otherwise. This is absolute fucking bullshit. See, this is, this is the part of the interview that I, I just rolled my eyes and I, I wanted to legitimately shut it off. Finn says you can tell when something is working or not working and a portion of the internet audience can be biased and he doesn't listen to those people. I don't know why somebody like me is biased. I, I think, honestly, I can tell you from firsthand experience watching this WWE product since I was four years old, what is wrong and what is right. The average fucking geek on social media is the person that Vince shouldn't listen to. Somebody like me and some of the, some other higher profile wrestling podcast, yes, he needs to start listening to those people because we are as much in the know as they are. They may, they may play it off as we don't know anything and uh, these internet marks, uh, they don't know anything. I have been more right about more WWE than WWE has been right about their own fucking product. And I got references to back that up. WWE does not listen to their fans, no matter what the focus group says. And if they do have a focus group every night, they got the dumbest fucking people answering these fucking questions. Vince says it does not matter what he wants if the fans say otherwise. We've been saying otherwise For years. And nothing has changed. Nothing. This is Vince pretending to be the good guy when he's the absolute fucking worst. He's the biggest prick in the entire industry. Vince does not listen to the fans. I can tell you when something's working and when something is not working. When something's not working, WWE continues to do it. When something's not working, WWE continues to give us whatever it is on television. Storyline, matches, angles, creative direction, championship contender matches, you name it. They don't listen to their fucking fan base. Don't listen to the bullshit. 
Vince says he has to overcome the stereotype that he's not cool or hip, and he tries to give people as much creative ability as possible, but you don't need to lead. You can just wait. I don't know who he's talking to here or who he's talking about. He tries to give people as much creative ability as possible. Yes, I'm sure Keith Lee had a lot of creative ability with Bearcat Keith Lee. I'm sure Karrion Cross had a lot of creative ability with fucking the mask and the goddamn skirt and suspenders you put on. I'm sure Adam Cole had a lot of creative freedom when he wanted to be himself, but you wanted to cut his hair, change his name, and make him a fucking manager. Give me a break. WWE wants us to believe, Vince wants us to believe that people in this company have creative ability, as much creative ability as possible. You can't be fucking serious. The only ones that have any creative ability are Randy Orton, Edge, guys like that, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman. That's it. That's it. Very, very, very small group of people. Nobody has any creative ability. None. McAfee praised Vince and said that he learns from him and said Vince, since the beginning, has let Pat do his thing. That I really appreciate. Pat has not sounded like a typical WWE fucking commentator. He always sounds exciting. He's legitimately one of the best aspects of WWE weekly television. He does not sound like Byron Saxton. Let's put it that way. He does not sound like Byron Saxton or Jimmy Smith. These guys sound as scripted as they fucking come. Corey Graves sometimes shills what he's got to shill. Sometimes he's using those big keywords that WWE wants to jam down down their audience's throat. But Corey Graves has always maintained himself. He always comes off as Corey Graves. Pat McAfee does the same thing. He gets on the table and dances. He does air guitar. He's got one foot propped up on Michael Cole's shoulder. He's allowed to say what he wants And he's allowed to do what he wants to show his level of excitement because why change somebody like that? If you change somebody like that, it is going to be very, very noticeable. And then that's when people are going to start losing interest in not only the product and the show, but Pat McAfee himself. You don't want to put Pat McAfee in a position where he sounds like Byron Saxton and he brings this fucking boring, dull environment to the show. This dull vibe to the show. You don't want that. So yes, I do appreciate that WWE has not changed Pat McAfee. But the thing is, I find this again to be funny. They pick and choose who they want to fucking change. And they pick and choose who they want to leave alone. Mauro Ranallo was the color commentator at one point. Or the play-by-play rather. Play-by-play guy for uh, SmackDown. They did everything to change Moro, and you just heard it in his voice. It was still there. Moro's essence and soul was still there, but you felt it differently than what it was before he joined WWE. And then WWE brought him back to NXT, or Vince let him go, and Triple H brought him back to NXT because Triple H knew that he was the best voice in the business and still is. They actively tried to change Moro. Moro's thing is telling the story in the ring, going over what's happening in the ring, creating a story from what happens in between those ropes. He couldn't tell the audience about wrestling moves. He couldn't call wrestling moves by their real names. He had to dumb everything down for the WWE audience because Vince hates pro wrestling. 
He wanted to change the best in the business, but he doesn't want to change Pat McAfee. He picks and chooses what he wants to do with who he wants to do it. That's the most glaring example. Yes, I'm grateful that Pat McAfee is still Pat McAfee. The Pat McAfee that we saw today is the Pat McAfee we're going to see on Friday. Moro Ronaldo coming over from MMA and Showtime Boxing. That was not the Moro we got on SmackDown. The Moro we got on SmackDown was fucking castrated and bullied. And then he went back to NXT to do what he does best. Be the best fucking voice in the entire business. He picks and chooses. So, he moves on to Brock Lesnar. He talks about Brock Lesnar. Vince says he is an extraordinary human being and a smart son of a bitch. He says people think he's a Neanderthal, but he's smarter than you think, pal. Vince was asked if he keeps in touch with his top guys like Steve Austin, Goldberg, etc. Vince says he keeps in touch with some, and he'd love for them to stay in touch with him, but he's busy, but he tries to have the company Stay in contact with them. Oh, Vince is too busy to keep in touch with anybody else. I mean, the only time he's in touch with them is if he can make money out of him and suck money out of him. What could you do for me, pal? I haven't spoken to you in 10 years, but what could you do for me? I need tickets sold to WrestleMania. Do you mind coming back and wrestling Kevin Owens? I got 100,000 seats to fill on night one and night two. We can certainly use your help. Saudi Arabia needs some big names. Goldberg will pay you $4 million. Vince doesn't talk to you unless he needs you. We all know this to be fact. He loves The Undertaker, though, which he said several times. Oh, I love the guy. Vince says he keeps in touch with some. Vince talked about the Attitude Era being so much fun, and the 80s was the Wild West, and they had a blast. Now everything is dumbed down and castrated, and you got to walk on eggshells. It's fucking awful. I wish it was the Wild West again, man. I wish it was the Attitude Era again, or at least something like that vibe. Vince talked about the bedpan skit with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mick Foley. Vince said Austin came up with the idea to hit Vince in the head with the bedpan, and it was fun to do that. Ah, the glory days. Days that we will never, never, never get back. Vince said live TV is when you're on the edge of your seat and nothing can go wrong, and it's exciting despite the pressure, and he lives for that. Oh, WWE, nothing may go wrong as far as their production goes, but everything goes wrong as far as their creative is concerned. How? Why? Just watch me on Monday and Friday. I'll fucking fill you in. McAfee mentioned Michael Cole and Vince choked that Michael Cole's a horrible human being. Pat McAfee started laughing hysterically. McAfee asked Vince if he still gets excited before shows, and Vince says, oh, absolutely. Vince said the vision of a story comes out of the way He wants, then it's awesome, and he gets chill bumps like everybody else. I don't know what what story nowadays on current WWE television is giving Vince chill bumps and giving him uh, fucking goosebumps. What exactly is on WWE television right now that's giving Vince goosebumps? I know it's not giving the fans goosebumps. I'm just trying to figure this one out. Does Vince really think he's doing a good job? Does Vince really think... That nothing is wrong with the fucking product? McAfee mentioned Michael Cole and Vince choked that he's a horrible human being. I doubt that. He played it off as, he was, as, as if he was being serious, but I, I doubt Michael Cole is a horrible human being. 
Pat McAfee's had nothing but great things to say about Michael Cole. Vince talked about travel. Sometimes it's difficult for the corporate types to grasp what WWE does because they are like nobody else. Vince says it takes a grind and a toll to leave your home and be on the road all the time. He said that's extraordinary that so many people want to do this together, and he doesn't see this as a grind, but he sees it as a privilege. Vince said no one will ever know when he's tired. Vince says he can have a horrible meeting or a phone call, but he won't bring up the emotion into the next meeting. If he's angry, if he's upset, if he's tired, he doesn't bring that into the next meeting he has with the next person. So I appreciate that. Leave your shit at the door. Handle your business and worry about it uh, when you got some free time. McAfee asked if he looked at books or other leaders. Vince says his grades weren't good enough for college, and he is sure that he's had every learning disability there was, and he was expelled for fighting, and he never learned how to study. He said he needed summer school to get into college, and it took five years for a four-year curriculum in East North Carolina College. Vince said Linda got through her curriculum in three years. Vince says he didn't have the grades to graduate, and he found out where the professors lived, and he knocked on their door, and he got his grade changed from a B-plus to an A-minus, but the other professors weren't so nice, and there was a confrontation. He said he graduated from college because the first professor changed his grade. We got a little glimpse into who Vince McMahon really was, man. He was even a manipulator back in the day. Vince was asked if he ever considered himself a WWE superstar. Vince says he had to during the Attitude Era. And he says, I'm really in there with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he wanted to understand the underdog philosophy. Vince choked. It was easy to get people to dislike him. Vince says he would much rather be on the other side of the camera, though. And Pat McAfee says... Vince McMahon was the greatest heel, and he actually used the term heel. Vince didn't question him on it. McAfee used the term heel, greatest heel in the history of the business. McAfee asked if Vince has any injuries other than the blown quads. Vince says he had no use of his legs when that happened at the Royal Rumble in 2005, and he had to learn how to walk all over again during rehab. He says he had his neck surgery, tricep surgery, spinal surgery, and the injuries Came from a combination of little things. Vince talked about squatting 1,000 pounds, and he only does that once a month. Vince put over his staff as good people and quality human beings. I don't think Bruce Pritchard is a quality human being. Pat McAfee talked about the heat he got a few years back for wearing shorts during WrestleMania's pre-show, and Vince appreciated that he wore the shirts he did. McAfee says Vince has been genuinely cool with him and let him pretty much go out there and be himself and let him dress the way he wants. And that was pretty much the gist of the entire interview. Uh, It was well over an hour. I enjoyed myself watching it. And, you know, at the end of it all, it was fun. It was interesting to see Vince be Vince in a live studio setting. But at the end of the day, the fun kind of went away. And all the bullshit that Vince just started telling Pat McAfee that you know is absolute bullshit and nothing but lies, I find it to be fucking comedic, man. I really do. He came off in a way that everything he does is great and nothing he does or nothing that he plans to do from this point on is ever going to be wrong. And I hate it. He does not take accountability for what he's done on television. And WWE television right now is some of the worst pro wrestling in the history of pro wrestling. They are the absolute worst creative right now that they've ever been. 
But I don't expect him to take the criticism here. And I don't expect him to take the blame for anything. Not on live YouTube with 85,000 fucking people watching you. It's a fun interview, but the bullshit that you know is bullshit and you can smell bullshit was just fucking ridiculous. It really was. WWE. Tyson Fury says he will 1 million percent make a WWE return. I don't want Tyson Fury to make a WWE return. Why? We have enough people that don't know how to fucking wrestle on this show. We have enough people that don't know how to fucking wrestle happening to have a match at WrestleMania. We don't need Tyson Fury to have another match. Tyson Fury has practically guaranteed that he will make a WWE return one day. The boxer made his in-ring debut at Crown Jewel 2019 by beating Braun Strowman by countout when he punched him off the apron. Remember those shows? Awful. He later returned in November 2019 on an episode of SmackDown to team with Strowman to defeat the B-team of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, two guys who are not even there anymore. Since that time, he's hinted at returning, and there were plans for Fury to work a match with Drew McIntyre at a WWE pay-per-view event in the United Kingdom in 2020, but COVID-19 nixed those plans. Speaking to Give Me Sport, Tyson Fury said fans can expect him back in a WWE ring 1 million percent. You will see me back in a WWE ring again, end quote. I don't know. I'm not interested in it. I know you guys are not interested in it. And if WWE is planning a United Kingdom show, preferably around Labor Day weekend, I could see Tyson Fury being that he said that today in March. And if WWE is planning something in September, as long as he's got no boxing fights coming up, I could absolutely see it being a thing. You know, Drew McIntyre is going to need something to do when he inevitably fails to capture the Universal Championship from Roman Reigns this summer. What's the best way to use Drew McIntyre? Let's put him in a match after a long-winded feud with Roman Reigns against Tyson Fury. Speaking of McIntyre, WWE announced that Drew McIntyre will be wrestling Happy Corbin on night one of WrestleMania 38. They gave this poor guy Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. They gave him Baron Corbin this year at WrestleMania. I mean... I don't know what you guys are doing as far as a bathroom break, a drink break, a piss break, a fucking cat cleaning the litter box break, walking the dog break, taking a fucking walk around the block break during WrestleMania, but there you go. There you go. There's your one match. Can you imagine being Drew McIntyre? Can you imagine being Drew McIntyre? And I just gave you a a fucking vision of your potential plans for this year. He's not winning the Universal Championship. They're only going to use him on SmackDown if there is still a brand split at that point, which I hope to God that there isn't. If there's one fucking title, I'd be fucking shocked if WWE sticks to their unification plans. But if WWE has SmackDown and Raw and they're operating under the brand split rules and McIntyre's still over on SmackDown, he's not beating Roman Reigns. Why would he? Why would Drew McIntyre beat Roman Reigns? So we're going to go through all the summer. That's going to be your major summer program. And then he's going to wrestle Tyson Fury. And he's getting Baron Corbin, happy fucking Corbin, at WrestleMania. And WWE's got this thing where they've been announcing happy Corbin as undefeated happy Corbin. So Drew McIntyre's clearly going to end that at WrestleMania. 
So what good is that going to do Drew McIntyre? It's still happy fucking Corbin. Sucks to be Drew McIntyre, huh? Quite the company guy. Happy Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Tyson Fury. Not really what I would expect out of somebody that looks like Drew McIntyre and, and is as good as Drew McIntyre. Awful. WWE. Asuka, where is she? I got a follow-up on Asuka. Conflicting reports about Asuka's whereabouts. PW Insider on March 2nd reported that Asuka appears to be waiting for WWE to plan her return. Fightful Select has since reported that Asuka is right now still on WWE's inactive list. Now, let me get this straight. Mike Johnson reported that Asuka is waiting for WWE to make a plan for her return. Fightful is reporting that Asuka is still on the WWE inactive list. What's the difference? What is the difference between the two reports? They're waiting for WWE to make a plan for her return. WWE still has Asuka on the inactive list. Asuka may be cleared to go, and she could still be on the inactive list. Is that out of the realm of possibility? Do you think WWE is that bright? To take her off the fucking list. Asuka may be cleared to go, but WWE left her on the inactive list because they don't have any fucking plans for her. Let's be real here. Did Fightful really need to follow up on Asuka being on the inactive list? What difference does it fucking make? If Asuka is hurt, if she's on the inactive list hurt, or if she's off the fucking inactive list and cleared and ready to go, the basis of the fucking argument is... WWE has no creative plans for the return of Asuka. They have no creative plans for anybody. Elias, Xavier Woods, Asuka, even poor old Alexa Bliss has no plans, which I'll talk about in a second. Per the report, a WWE source revealed that the optimistic expected return date for Asuka is around spring. So clearly she's missing WrestleMania. Spring happens to bloom in March, right? WWE has no plans for Asuka going into the spring. They got no plans for Asuka going into WrestleMania. Why would they? She's been off TV since fucking Money in the Bank last year. Why would you make plans for her to appear at WrestleMania? If Asuka is ready to go, I mentioned this on Monday's show, let's just put her on the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. Or in fact, you know what? Not even move her to Monday Night Raw. Move her to SmackDown. Put Bailey on Monday Night Raw. Switch it up a little bit. But at the end of the day, WWE has no creative plans for anybody. None. Alexa Bliss. I mentioned Alexa Bliss. WWE does not have any plans for Alexa Bliss before WrestleMania. So I don't even know why she came back on money at the, what's the uh, show? Elimination Chamber, Money in the Bank. Who gives a fuck? Why did Alexa Bliss come back? At Elimination Chamber. There's been, there's been some head scratching among WWE fans that Alexa Bliss was at the Elimination Chamber and then not at Raw the last couple weeks. Bliss seemed perplexed by this as well, and she indicated on Twitter that she does not know why she's not being used despite her making an in-ring return at the Elimination Chamber. Fans looking to see Bliss back in the ring will have to wait until after WrestleMania PW Insider reported this week that even though she recently returned to WWE TV, sources in the company indicate that what is next for her will likely not happen until after WrestleMania. I don't see what the big fucking deal is. 
I don't see what the big deal is. She has no feud. She's been off TV. She hasn't wrestled since September of last year. Yet there are fucking Alexa Bliss geeks and stands out there that want her at WrestleMania. Here's a little clue for you guys out there, man. I don't know what the fuck you're drinking or what you're smoking, but Alexa Bliss has been off of television. She has no major storyline going into WrestleMania. So what makes you think she even deserves to be on the WrestleMania show? It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I promise you, you're not going to lose sleep over it. I promise you. And what she does after WrestleMania, who gives a shit? It's probably going to be trash, just like everything else that WWE has done with the women's division. Everybody wants to be in their feelings. Oh, where's Alexa Bliss? Uh, Where's Alexa Bliss? I'm sorry. The fuck do you want? It's not that big of a deal. Triple H. Listen to this story. I don't see this being reported by many outlets. PW Insider is reporting that Lizette Pineda. That that, that name may not sound familiar to you. It's not an active in-ring performer. It's not somebody on the creative team or that's worked with uh, somebody behind the scenes in Gorilla at NXT with Triple H. Lizette Pineda, who worked as a manager of global talent strategy and development for WWE, was let go by the company. Who is she? Who is she? I'll tell you who she is. The story notes that she was extremely close to Paul Levesque, and she was described as Levesque's top executive assistant. Her departure has now sparked more talk about Levesque's future in the company. PW Insider notes that some in the company have said that was probably just a matter of time before she was let go because Levesque has yet to return to work full-time because of his heart issues, and without him there, her role is limited at best. I am tired of the narrative that Paul Levesque is not returning to work because because of his heart issues. Everything you hear in regards to Paul Levesque returning to work, oh, he can't return to work because of his heart issues, as if he's getting back in the fucking ring to wrestle. He's getting ready for another WrestleMania match, Paul Levesque. He's going to wrestle somebody on NXT television, Paul Levesque. The man is going to work to sit in a fucking chair and get behind Gorilla with a goddamn headset on to watch a fucking TV monitor. No, he's too, he, he's, he's too hurt or he's in no mental, mental state or, or a health-wise state to come back to the fucking company to work. I'm tired of the narrative. I'm tired of the narrative. Triple H is not coming back to work because not of his heart, because there's no use for him. He's not coming back to work because he was fucking fired without actually being fired. That's why. He has no power in NXT anymore. NXT is not his. It's not the black and gold anymore. It's fucking Fruit Loops. It's Fruity Pebbles. It's not Triple H's anymore. It's Bruce Pritchard's and Vince McMahon. Triple H is not in charge of the creative team anymore. Bruce Pritchard now is in charge of the creative team. All creative goes through Bruce. Paul Levesque is not back 
at work because of his heart. Paul Levesque is not back at work because he was fucking fired. And he's not in charge. We'll never be in charge and we'll never have anything to do with WWE and the way it's run creatively ever again. PW Insider notes that some in the company have said just a matter of time before she was let go. Now, do you guys believe me about everybody that was close to Triple H being fired because of his failure to win the Wednesday Night Wars? They deem him a failure, and they're legitimately taking everything away from him. You guys don't think that everybody that was fired beforehand, right, the Regals and the Scotty Tuhatis and the fucking Brian Kendricks and the Samoa Joes and everybody else in that road dog and everybody else that got fucking fired, you, you, what are you thinking now? Do you guys believe me yet? How many more times do we have to hear a story like this for you guys to actually fucking understand that the reason why these people are fired or, or getting fired is because of Triple H. They've actively eliminated everything Triple H from NXT. It's not because they wanted to change NXT for the better. They wanted to kill everything NXT because everything NXT was everything Triple H. And if you worked with Triple H, they were going to get rid of you because there's no need for you there because he was your boss and not Vince McMahon. Any questions? I hope to God you guys now know the fucking true ramifications. How fucking ridiculous this all was. Everything Triple H was strategically fucking removed. The whole plan was not to change NXT. The whole plan was to kill NXT to teach Triple H a lesson and get him the fuck out. I don't see how anybody watches NXT and is okay with the show. They drew one of the lowest ratings in the history of the fucking show on USA Network. 550,000 people. Dolph Ziggler's not going to save you there. Braun Breaker isn't as big as you think he is. And NXT isn't as good as everybody is claiming it to be. I'd love to see these people watch the old NXT and give me that same energy back. I didn't hear you fucking people about the old NXT. Now I got people who'd never watch the old NXT watching the new NXT. Where the fuck have you been? What the fuck were you doing during NXT 1.0 when it was actually the best wrestling show in the world? You know who ran that show, right? It wasn't Bruce Pritchard. It wasn't Vince McMahon. It's Triple H. William Regal. Road Dog. Brian Ward. Or Ryan Ward. Whatever the fuck his name is. Ryan Ward. Now, now you know the reason. Ryan Ward and Road Dog, right? They were a part of the creative team on SmackDown. Why do you think they got removed? Why do you think Ryan Ward was removed from the writing team and Road Dog went down to work to NXT because he went on sabbatical or a hiatus? Why do you think that is? SmackDown was producing better than Monday Night Raw. Vince was only Monday Night Raw. He left SmackDown in charge with those other guys because why, why does he need to do it? Raw was the A show. Now Vince and Bruce are there every fucking week. SmackDown was producing better shows than Raw. As soon as that started to happen, as soon as they heard chatter on social media, they put an end to that before you could even fucking breathe. You can't get one over on these people. If you're doing a better job than Bruce and Vince, goodbye. You're out. No, you can't. You can't do that, pal. Vince McMahon, speaking of Vince McMahon. He's decided to give Ricochet a big push on SmackDown. Oh, really? Really now? He's about to give Ricochet a big push. This is interesting. Why? 
What do you see now on Ricochet that you didn't see when Ricochet was first brought up from NXT? I'm curious. So fans of Ricochet have been hoping to see him being used in a more significant way. And they want to see him push towards the top because of his in-ring ability. On last week's SmackDown, there was a backstage segment where Sami Zayn apologized to an on-screen authority figure in Adam Pearce for overreacting and attacking Johnny Knoxville earlier in the night, which set up their WrestleMania 38 match. <laughs> trash. What? Yes, I said trash. Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. That's your WrestleMania. Ricochet is not on WrestleMania, but Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. Ricochet showed up and noted that after hearing Zayn wanted to be a fighting champion, he stepped up and challenged Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. Zayn told him to go to the back of the line, but Adam Pearce said, whoa, 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 this is a good match. I'm going to book this match for next week. So Pearce booked the match on Friday. We're going to get an Intercontinental Championship. Sami Zayn versus Ricochet, which in my honest opinion should be the WrestleMania match on the WrestleMania program. But fuck me, we're getting Johnny Knoxville. PW Insider reported this week that Vince McMahon has decided to give a big push to Ricochet. Mike Johnson says, and I quote, we have some readers ask why Ricochet got such a big push last week. (laughs) Yeah, because challenging for the Intercontinental Championship is a big fucking push. You fucking kidding me? My God, man. The, The readers of Mike Johnson must have a fucking single brain cell between all fucking thousand of them. Are you kidding me? Now it's a big push because Ricochet's getting an Intercontinental Championship match? The title's been dead for years. The title remained dormant on Nakamura for five months, please. Someone explain to me how that's a big fucking push on WWE television. We had some readers ask why Ricochet got a big push. There's a very good explanation for that. Currently, he's slated as the number two singles babyface for the entire SmackDown brand internally. Ricochet right now is behind Drew McIntyre as the top babyface on SmackDown. Also, it was said that New Dacians, Kenakamura, and Rick Boogs are considered top babyface tag teams internally. So we got Nakamura and Boogs now considered a tag team. It's great. Great. WWE, man, that creative is fucking uh, off the charts, man. I, I don't know how I don't know how they operate, man. It's fucking blistering television. I can't wait. I can't wait to fucking watch SmackDown, man. It's such a creative fucking show, said nobody ever. New Day. Are they even calling them? The, they're not even calling them the New Day. Kofi and Big E. But it's fucking 4x4 now, which WWE is going to be marketing as a toy set. Don't know where Xavier Woods fits in. Man, what a tag team division, right? Shinsuke and Rick Boogs, The New Day, Usos, Los Lotharios. Who else? The Viking Raiders. Yeah, what a fucking tag team division. McIntyre and Ricochet. Why is that, folks? I mean, it can't be that difficult to figure out, right? Why is Ricochet now the number two de facto babyface on SmackDown? Huh? Anybody got an answer for that? Oh, you're probably riding your car somewhere. You're on the bus somewhere, going to work or coming home from work. I'm giving you some time to answer this fucking question, right? What are you doing tonight? You probably got a cold beverage in there. You're probably smoking a blunt. Right? What are you doing? Answer the fucking question. 
Answer the question. Why is Ricochet the number two de facto babyface in WWE on SmackDown? Why? Why? Uh, the answer is because there is nobody else. If WWE actually had a fucking roster that was legitimate, if they ended the brand split, would Ricochet be the de facto number two fucking babyface on SmackDown? No. No, he would not. Ricochet is only there because there is nobody else. There's nobody else. They either fired them or they're buried in fucking beans and been catering. Some fucking dish of baked beans and hot dogs and catering. Thanks to Titus. Ricochet number two. WWE hasn't given a fucking shit about Ricochet. Now you want me to believe that WWE waited three and a half years, four years. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's about time. It's about time. Yeah, we let him plant it. Wait, we let him sit in the garden. We watered the fucking plant all four years. He's now ready to fucking blossom and grow, right? Give me a fucking break with this shit. Yeah, let's leave somebody fucking dead to rights for four years and then all of a sudden wake up one day and then push him to the fucking title picture in the intercontinental title picture. God, you guys are fucking suckers, man. You guys are fucking suckers, man. You guys, I swear to God. You guys are some fucking comedians, man. WWE ended the brand split today. Ricochet would not be a top babyface. If WWE had a fucking roster worth shit on SmackDown, Ricochet would not be the top two babyface on SmackDown. Yes, he wins the Intercontinental title. Then what? It dies with him just like it died with Apollo Crews. It died with Big E. It died with Nakamura. If I'm WWE... And I'm going into this match with Zayn tomorrow. I am not having Zayn retain the title. No matter how valuable the title is, it's worth fucking garbage. The title's worthless. WWE's booked it into the fucking ground, into oblivion. I'm having Ricochet win the title. I don't know what the fuck they do with it. Who else is there to defend it against? This is what I'm doing. Sami Zayn is losing that title tomorrow to Ricochet. Sami Zayn can get a one-on-one match with Johnny Knoxville and do whatever the fuck they need to do at WrestleMania without the Intercontinental title because that match, as a title match, is fucking god-awful. It is depressing, it is embarrassing, it is pathetic, and it's making all the greats that once held that championship either laugh or roll over in their graves. Ricochet's winning that title tomorrow. My prediction, Intercontinental Championship match at WrestleMania, Ricochet versus Sheamus. Sheamus wins the IC title, the one title he's never held in WWE at WrestleMania. Yes, we've seen the match, but the matches have been good. I don't really care for it, but the matches have been pretty good. I've seen it about fucking eight times right in the last six weeks, but it'll be pretty good. WWE should put the Intercontinental Championship on WrestleMania's show and have it legitimately be an Intercontinental Championship match that somehow saves saves the credibility, whatever the fuck is left, of that Intercontinental title. That's what I'm doing. Now, Ringside News, they always have something. I love Ringside News, man. They always got something good to say. They followed up on this Ricochet is in line for a big push. These reports that have surfaced this week, nothing really came of it. Circumstances seem to be repeating themselves. A tenured member of the writing team confirmed to Ringside News is that quote-unquote, Ricochet is having a good week. This week. He has a big IC title match on SmackDown, and that is a good spot to be in on the road to WrestleMania. 
We've been down this road before. Let's see if it lasts. But Vince just got done with Pat McAfee, right? Everybody's got creative opportunity to get themselves over. Ricochet's been doing that since day one. And WWE only sees him as a guy that they can plug into a role to get to the next week. And when they don't need him anymore, he'll be right back into catering, sitting next to Ali, wondering what the fuck went wrong. Thanks for coming, Ricochet. Good thing you got your new curly-haired girlfriend who's ring-announcing on SmackDown on the same fucking brand as you. After that, now thankfully you got somebody that you could cry in the fucking car to about. Why, why, why? What happened? What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. You're there, and you're not with AEW. Moving on with the rest of the fucking news, man. Keith Lee. Keith Lee commented on a report about his latest WWE attitude issues when he was there right before he left the company or got fired from the company. Keith Lee was let go by WWE last November, and he has since joined AEW. He's made his uh, in-ring debut on February 9th against Isaiah Cassidy to earn a spot in the face of the Revolution ladder match. Wade Keller, PW Torch, reported last month that Lee had attitude issues in WWE dating back to his time in NXT. So Lee did an interview with the New York Post, and during it, he was asked about the report that he had backstage attitude issues. Says at the end of the day, I quote, at the end of the day, I'm very much like these old school guys. I don't really pay attention to the internet like that. And half the time, I don't really pay attention to the apps. Like I may post a thing, or someone who helps me with my account may post a thing that's trying to be positive for other people or promote what I do here at AEW, especially now. I feel like this. If there's no truth to it, then why should I give it any credence? This is going to sound arrogant, and I don't really care. At the end of the day, it is beneath me, and I treat it as such. End quote. Why would Keith Lee bring up the attitude issues? Why would he outwardly admit, yeah, I had attitude issues. I had attitude issues in WWE. Now he's with AEW. He doesn't want to paint a, a bad picture, a bad portrait of himself in AEW. And why would he feed into, into the bullshit report? If Keith Lee had attitude issues backstage, you know what? I'm, I'm with him. If Keith Lee wanted to fucking voice his opinion backstage, great, I'm with him. That would make one more than the, the, other, the, the other day or any other time. That would make one more than any other fucking time where nobody says a goddamn fucking thing about WWE. If he's got attitude issues, don't you think that of all the people released, Keith Lee has a bone to pick? No pun intended with the bear claw. But if he has attitude issues, he's got attitude issues for what? Because you've been fucking pulling the rug out underneath him for how long now? Three different theme musics. They put a fucking skirt on him. They put him in a fucking onesie. They put him in fucking whatever the goddamn, the, the, whatever the fucking shit he was wearing. I mean, then they put fucking bear cat. Give him bear claws in the back of his fucking, uh, of his straps, bear cat claws in the back of his trunks. Rawr! They put the rawr in the theme music. Meanwhile, this guy was tailor-made for a main event coming out of NXT. Theme music had the North American and NXT titles. He beat Adam Cole. Great match. He was the, the king of the jungle down there. Then they bring him up and on night one. What don't you do? How to create a flourishing, great new star. What not to do? WWE did everything that they shouldn't do. Killed him. 
on night one. Never the same. That's what they do. Oh, he's a Triple H guy? He's coming up from NXT? Ellsbury. He's Triple H's boy? Yeah, we'll change his theme music. Meanwhile, the fucking, literally, the takeover that weekend, going into Monday Night Raw, he used his old NXT theme. You can't fucking tell me that there's a problem with that old NXT theme if he was just using it on fucking Saturday. Then he's on Monday Night Raw, he's got new theme music. When did the theme music get made? Was it made on Sunday afternoon? Keith Lee has every bit, every right to have attitude issues. Fuck the report. If it's true, good. Good. I don't, I don't look at him in any negative light at all. If he wants an attitude with those fucking people, good. They deserve it. Speaking of AEW, Cesaro. We may see him at Revolution. Cesaro could be a surprise debut at Revolution. AEW Revolution's going down March 6th. It's better than WrestleMania. Just throwing that out there. It's better than WrestleMania. Tony Khan's company has a loaded card, one of the best in company history. We seemingly say that about every AEW show. They could also debut a new face at the event. Cesaro recently allowed his WWE contract to expire without re-signing. That means he's currently a free agent. No 90-day non-compete. Since he's fulfilled his contract, there's no non-compete clauses to worry about. Claudio Castagnoli can show up anytime, anywhere he wants. There's been speculation that Cesaro could wind up in AEW. Cesaro is friendly with a lot of talent there and is one of the world's best technical professional wrestlers. There is nothing stopping Tony Khan from bringing in Cesaro if he wants to work with AEW. Dave Meltzer discussed the possibility of surprises at the upcoming Revolution pay-per-view on the latest Wrestling Observer Radio. With Tony Khan's purchase of Ring of Honor, several possibilities now exist. Jeff Hardy is still under a 90-day non-compete, which ends on March 9th, so he's out of the question. WWE apparently is looking for any way to sue AEW for contract tampering with the Jeff Hardy situation because Jeff Hardy, like a fool, went on some idiot's uh, YouTube channel and said, yeah, I'm going to AEW. I don't see how that's AEW negotiating with Jeff Hardy or Tony Khan negotiating with Jeff Hardy while he's under a 90-day non-compete. Is it out of the realm of possibility to think that Jeff Hardy wants to go there because he wants to go there? Not because AEW has settled in contract talks with him under a 90-day non-compete. It's out of the realm of possibility that Jeff Hardy just wants to go to AEW, right? We got to try and sue AEW for contract tampering. I don't find that story to be believable at all. I think it's fucking ridiculous. I think WWE is looking for any which way to fucking stick it to AEW, and they got no grounds for anything. None. So Meltzer says, Jeff Hardy, not happy. Claudio Castagnoli, definitely a possibility. Obviously, All Out was the better show because of the big debuts. There's no promises of any big debuts here. It's just a great wrestling show. They can't do Jeff Hardy. I mean, Claudio could walk in on the show if they want. If they want to do something, he does like to do stuff like that. They want to add a seventh surprise member to the ladder match. They could definitely do that if they wanted to. Tony Khan has not promised any major debuts for Revolution. The debuts at All Out were all well-known, but no announcement was made in advance. That show brought us Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, and then CM Punk in his in-ring return after seven and a half years. So that is the latest there. I would uh, I would be pleased if Cesaro made his AEW debut. I don't know if he's going to join AEW as a full-time member, but if they want to use a one-off, 
and get him some work on a, on a major platform like uh, like a Revolution pay-per-view, I'm all for it. He's only going to make that match better. Speaking of Johnny Gargano, the other AEW debut that could be coming in to the company, it is now expected that Johnny Gargano will not make an AEW debut in the immediate future. Johnny Gargano announced on Monday that he was taking bookings for appearances. Speculation amongst fans has now run that he would be making an AEW debut very soon. Gargano had previously made it known that he wanted to, to, be, to take some time off to be with Candice LeRae before they gave birth to their first child. Once their baby boy entered the world last month, the assumption was that he would start wrestling again in AEW. Dave Meltzer noted on the Wrestling Observer Radio this week that Gargano won't be joining AEW right away, and if he does decide to join the promotion, as there will be other wrestlers showing up on Dynamite in the near future, such as Jeff Hardy and Shane Strickland, it, it may get a little too crowded. Now with the, the rumor, now that is uh, out there in the public, and everybody knows about it, Tony Khan hyped his major announcement, Ring of Honor was purchased, AEW now owns Ring of Honor. Yeah, so don't expect him, apparently. Don't expect him in AEW in the next month or so. I know people were expecting it any week now. Jeff Hardy should be relatively soon. Shane Strickland should be in soon. I don't know if anybody else off the top of my head just coming in yet. I think there will be more. That's pretty much what's going on there. Johnny Gargano can really do whatever he wants. I don't care where he goes. If he wants to join AEW, great. Great. I'd love him in AEW. I think he'd fit like a glove. But if Johnny Gargano goes anywhere, man, Impact, New Japan, I don't think New Japan's an option being that Candace just gave birth, MLW, Impact, whatever it may be, he's going to be fine. He's going to do what he's got to do, and I'm going to support him along the way. But I do think he ends up in AEW. I do think that with his personal life now and his wife, he's going to take as much time as he needs because he knows as soon as he gets going again, it's not going to be that difficult to get the ball rolling in. He knows he's a sought-after guy. He's going to be a sought-after guy. There's no rush on making your return when you just had your baby boy. Be at home. He knows what is a priority now. Wrestling is not a priority. He's probably waiting to choose his spots, too, because he probably hears all the innuendo. He knows what's going on. He knows who's coming in, who's rumored to come in, who's free, right? He wants to come in, and maybe, maybe I'm thinking... Possibly what Johnny Gargano's thinking. He doesn't want to come in and kind of have his thunder stolen by somebody else who Tony Khan may be debuting relatively soon as well. He, want, he wants that, uh, that, whole, that whole real estate for himself. Because if you bring in Johnny Gargano, it should be treated like a special deal, a big deal. You don't want to bring in Johnny Gargano and then bring in Shane Strickland and have Shane Strickland steal your thunder away. You don't want to bring in Johnny Gargano and then bring in John Morris and have John Morrison steal your thunder away. You don't want to bring in Johnny Gargano and then all of a sudden bring in Bray Wyatt. And then have Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, steal your fucking thunder away. Johnny Gargano wants that real estate for himself, so he's probably choosing and picking his spots. And he's free to do whatever the fuck he wants. He can talk to anybody he wants. Maybe he's went over plans with Tony Khan and AEW. Maybe they're coming up with a game plan on how and what to do. And maybe it's a couple of months from now that he may be making his debut. And Tony Khan is going to save him for maybe double or nothing... But in the meantime, if he wants to go work, he's taking bookings. Take your bookings. Get your work in. You know, get that ring rust, uh, you know, off and work on that ring rust. Take care of your kid and then we'll be here. I don't know. I don't see him going anywhere else. Why would he go back to WWE? Impact? Who the fuck wants to go to Impact? I mean, give me a break. Johnny Gargano to Impact? No, Johnny Gargano's going to AEW when the time is right. 
It's probably just being worked out and things need to be in place. Ring of Honor. I saved the best for last. I got all this Ring of Honor news. AEW on Dynamite. Ring of Honor is the latest purchase, the latest signee of Tony Khan. How did the talent find out when Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor? Tony Khan announced this on the open of Dynamite. He basically screamed that he bought Ring of Honor. Dial it down, TK. Dial it down, bro. Seriously. He opened Dynamite. He explained that Ring of Honor and its 20-year history is very prestigious, and he is now the owner of Ring of Honor. Tony Khan made this huge announcement. The video libraries and all assets of Ring of Honor are now Tony Khan's. Now, while many had guessed this was the announcement, very few people knew for sure. In fact, Fightful Select is reporting that only very close circles of Tony Khan's team knew what was going on and knew what was going to be announced ahead of time. Not only that, but Fightful also reports talent who had signed on to do Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor on April 1st found out about Tony Khan's purchase of the promotion at the exact same time as everyone else did by watching AEW Dynamite. So even though he had been backstage at AEW, Ring of Honor Jonathan Gresham was unaware the company had been sold. Gresham was backstage last week at Dynamite. He didn't know then. We talked about this on Wednesday. You know, the Briscoes. AEW was looking to look, I I assume that was the case. They were looking to possibly bring in the Briscoes. They were starting something with the Briscoes and FTR online. And when weeks and weeks and weeks went by and we didn't see FTR, we all figured, you know, why isn't FTR getting a a match with the Briscoes at at Revolution? We all figured it would be taking place at Revolution. Maybe it's going to take place at Double or Nothing. And the Briscoes were not brought in and we didn't know why. And now we know why. Maybe Tony Khan wanted to wait because he had this, this going on. And he didn't want to bring in the Briscoes until this announcement was made. So things like that. Gresham, they know the Briscoes, they know nobody. Nobody in the company outside of Tony Khan's close circle knew what was going on. In the same report, Fightful noted that a number of different price points that have been speculated in terms of how much Tony Khan had to pay to buy Ring of Honor from Sinclair, but they added they aren't currently sure of exactly how much was paid. $20 million, $40 million, and $30 million for 50% of the company, have all been speculated. Now, I read something on Twitter. I don't know if this this is legitimately true, but it would fall in line with these numbers, or at least close to this ballpark. Someone said that when WCW was sold to WWE for $2 million, that Ring of Honor, right now, the way it sits, was 20 times more valuable than what WCW was when WWE bought WCW. I don't know how how true that is. But I like the fact that this was kept secret. That's the one thing I like about this. That it was kept quiet and nobody knew. A lot of people expected it to be HBO Max. A lot of people expected it to be a streaming streaming deal. Which could still be in the works. This is one of the reasons why Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor. Because now he has all the assets, including the all-in show which is a Ring of Honor production, but it was literally the beginning stages of AEW. It was Dave Meltzer and Cody Rhodes friendly betting. I bet you can't fill 10,000 seats for the largest independent wrestling show of all time. And they did. I was there. I was there. Jesse was there. 
place was fucking sold out. As soon as we sat down, it was sold out an hour before the fucking show went live. Everybody was in their fucking seats, excited to be a part of history there. So that's a Ring of Ring of Honor produced that show. I have not watched that show back on television yet. I was there. Great show. So AEW purchased Ring of Honor, and that is included in the assets. All in and everything Ring of Honor has done over the last 20 years. AEW is looking to get a streaming deal. There you go. All that stuff. And a lot of AEW talent came from Ring of Honor. You guys know the names. I don't need to go over them for you. Cole, Brian, Punk, who you name it. They've all worked in Ring of Honor. So, Jay Lethal. So, AEW setting themselves up for a streaming deal. If Tony Khan gets a streaming deal and sells some of the library of AEW over an extended period of time to a streaming platform, it could be Netflix, could be Amazon, could be Hulu, could be HBO Max, right? He's going to make money off that, and he's setting himself up to make AEW look as attractive of an offer as possible. Then... Turner's going to have their contract talks for a new TV deal extension with AEW in 2024. Tony Khan is setting the company up to be profitable in the first five years. And he's well on his way to doing that. So when people want to say, why is this a big deal? Why is this a big deal to Tony Khan? Why is a dead promotion a big deal? Now you know why. So the talent found out when we all found out by watching the show. I like the genuine nature of that, and I like how none of them knew. There's just something about that that I really like. WWE was actually interested in buying Ring of Honor, and some in WWE are shocked that the AEW deal was made to buy Ring of Honor. PW Insider reported today that there was interest from WWE in buying Ring of Honor after Ring of Honor announced last year that they were going on hiatus. It was noted that the two sides entered discussions in December, but talks ended without a deal being made. Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio noted that Ring of Honor reached out to both WWE and AEW about selling the company. There were talks a few years ago. Even Triple H a few years ago pushed Vince to try and buy the company and their videotape library. Vince didn't want Anything to do with it when Triple H pushed to try and buy the company. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know how much of Ring of Honor was in selling mode then, but if WWE came knocking and they offered this amount of money to own the company, you know, I I don't know. I don't know why Vince didn't go and just gut it like he gutted WCW, closed it down, just put the video library on WWE Network. Plus, he could have hemorrhaged all that fucking talent. Could have poached all that talent. You know? I I don't know. Triple H wanted to do it. Vince didn't want to do it. Now I find it to be very funny that Vince and uh, WWE were actually pursuing Ring of Honor to buy and try the company now that they were on hiatus. All because AEW was trying to do the same thing. On the latest Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer pointed out that Tony Khan was pretty sure the deal was going to happen two Fridays ago. He says, and I quote, I figured it's up for sale. There's two people that they were going to sell it to. It's either WWE or it's going to be AEW. So I asked Tony Khan, you hear it's up for sale? And Tony Khan says, no. He has not heard anything about that. So I figured that it was not up for sale because if it was, then obviously Tony Khan would know. A couple of weeks later, 
I did hear more that it was up for sale, and I asked him again, and he didn't give me an answer. So then I knew I didn't know anything. It was more likely that, in fact, at that point, it was up for sale. So the deal was put together basically two weeks ago on Thursday. At least it was mostly put together. I don't know when it was actually finalized, but obviously it was the next day on that Friday of two weeks ago. He said that it was pretty confident, or he was pretty confident in it, that something was going to happen. And then later last week, made the announcement that he was going to announce it on the show and that the deal was basically done. End quote. PW Insider added that there were people in WWE who were legitimately shocked. And they thought that the announcement would be a deal with HBO Max. As far as what Ring of Honor will look like under Tony Khan's direction, there are things that still need to be figured out. But people in Ring of Honor were reportedly still working on the production of the TV show yesterday and their upcoming events. When Tony Khan said that the deal was signed today, Wednesday, he was telling the truth because PW Insider reported that one person believed that the deal was signed as late as 6 p.m. Eastern and only a small circle of people in AEW were aware of the discussions and they believed the deal was done well before that. PW Insider also said that people on the ROH side of things described this deal as bittersweet as the feeling was that this was the right thing to do for the long-term future of the company, but there was some sadness that this was the end of a chapter even though that chapter truly ended in December. As noted last night in a press release that was sent out, Tony Khan, not AEW, is the owner of Ring of Honor. Khan said in a press release that he will start to look for a way for people to see the Ring of Honor library, whether that means HBO Max, AEW's own streaming app, or something else is unknown right now. WWE didn't make any quick moves towards Ring of Honor or buying Ring of Honor. That could be because many believe Tony Khan had bought something else entirely. News broke during midday that Khan had acquired the rights to some sort of international wrestling video content library, and in the end, the content was Ring of Honor. Fightful Select made made some notes of the mistaken assumption. They say, and I quote, one source indicated to us that they were recently told another offer came in and Joe Coff and Sinclair wanted to go in that direction. Chatter within wrestling really picked up on Tuesday night when higher-ups in another wrestling company heard Ring of Honor was being sold. Many within WWE had been under the impression that Tony Khan had bought a Japanese tape library that wasn't New Japan Pro Wrestling, which didn't end up happening, end quote. Sounds like Tony Khan had everybody fucking running in circles, man. Seriously, he used the term international wrestling uh, product, international wrestling promotion. He was going to buy a tape library. But the international wrestling tape library that he was going to buy was, in fact, Ring of Honor. So he threw everybody for a loop. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it seems like at the end of the day, Tony Khan, he had people fall for the words that he talked about in regards to this major announcement and what the announcement was going to be. So WWE was thrown for a loop here. Now, the thing with this this deal is it's going to be great for pro wrestling. If you love Ring of Honor and want to see the tape library and you have no way of seeing the tape library or anything Ring of Honor, you could probably find some of the shit on YouTube. I don't know how much of it is on YouTube, but if you want to see everything in a streamlined, professional way, then you're going to wait to see what Tony Khan does with the videotape library. I don't know what this means for the actual promotion. I don't know what this means if we're going to get a TV deal. 
I don't know if we're going to get Ring of Honor being a legit third brand. I don't know what this means for the shows coming up. I don't know what it means for Supercard of Honor on, on April 1st, WrestleMania weekend. Theoretically, the way I look at it is Ring of Honor has a show April 1st, WrestleMania weekend. Now this is an AEW show because AEW talent are absolutely going to be on that show. So I don't know what's going on there. AEW will now have representation WrestleMania weekend where they didn't have any WrestleMania weekend representation. They're going to be affiliated with that Ring of Honor show, which is a Tony Khan production now. I don't know what's going to happen. Bodyslam.net and Cassidy Haynes said that it will be used as a developmental territory. It will be used as a feeder system. That's probably the best way to go about it. A lot of people don't understand the the ramifications and the, the great deal that is happening here. You save the prestige of Ring of Honor. Tony Khan is going to do right by the prestige of Ring of Honor. WWE would have only used Ring of Honor's tape library to put over who they have on their roster right now while abandoning the prestige of how important Ring of Honor is to pro wrestling. Tony Khan's going to maintain that the best way that he can. He wants to give back to the fans, and he's doing so by buying Ring of Honor for us and giving us the tape library so that we have it at our disposal while he has the company at his disposal to do whatever he wants. That's great. This is going to set Tony Khan up for a streaming deal, which is going to net AEW more money on top of the TV contract negotiations that are coming up in 2024. AEW is going to be profitable in five years. That was the goal. He's got a vision, and he's sticking to it. But what does this mean for AEW? Yes, money, TV deals, future is bright. This means a whole lot. Everybody was chatting about the bloated roster. Everybody was chatting about the bloated roster. AEW's only got three hours of television, two on Dynamite. They can't fit everybody on Dynamite. Nobody wants to see Dynamite extended to three hours. Rampage is only one hour. You can only do three or four matches tops on Rampage. It's literally in and out, quickest one hour of television in pro wrestling. AEW doesn't seem to be expanding on Rampage. I don't see that moving to two hours. I don't see that moving off of Friday nights at 10 p.m. I'd love to see it at a regular time slot. I don't see that happening right now. I hope that is the goal sometime in the future. But at the end of the day, the bloated roster remains. Everybody is either working Dynamite or those people, those top-tier guys, the, the most important things are happening on Dynamite and Rampage. And everybody else is now relegated to Dark. Elevation and AEW Dark. There are some major names that are not on television on a weekly basis, and people are wondering what's going on. Ring of Honor is now going to be a foundation and a platform for people to go over there that are not on TV, that haven't been given a lick of a chance on TV yet, to go hone their craft, get in the ring, make a name for themselves, and then use that to get yourself on Dynamite. Everybody's going to be paying attention to that. It is legitimately... The best way for me to tell you is this is going to be NXT like Triple H ran NXT. It is going to be what NXT should have been for WWE. This is going to be what NXT was, should have, or should have been at least for WWE. Ring of Honor is going to be that for AEW. It's a beautiful thing. That bloated roster, you cut that roster down by 30, 40%, you send them over to Ring of Honor. Get those guys some TV time. Get those guys some in-ring time. Get them in front of a live audience. Let them hone their craft. Work with who they need to work with. Work on whatever you got to work on. Get your entrance right. Work the hard camera. Get in front of a live audience. Work in front of a live audience if you don't have that type of experience. And then sooner rather than later, you're going to be ready for dynamite. 
Everyone's going to see it. AEW management's going to see it. Ring of Honor management's going to see it. And then you'll be prime time for Dynamite. This is a great thing. Really, really great thing. All while keeping the name Ring of Honor alive and the prestige of that name, Ring of Honor, alive. Now, I don't know if this comes with a TV deal. I don't. So on top of the bloated roster, that takes care of the bloated roster. Those guys now have a platform to work on. WrestleMania weekend, AEW has a presence. WrestleMania weekend, where they did not or chose not to have a presence. WrestleMania weekend. Now they have it through Ring of Honor. Two great positives. Tony Khan's building the equity in AEW. Streaming deal possibly coming next. He's making the product look as full and attractive as possible to get him the most bang for his buck. Plus the TV networks. AEW's future is bright. AEW's future is going to be growing. And it's a great thing to see. If you don't like this deal, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan. If you don't like this deal, I don't know if you really are smart enough to know how business works. I've been watching AEW since day one. To see where they are from day one now is a beautiful thing to see. And the best part of all, we don't know what Tony Khan's going to do. We don't know who's going to run Ring of Honor. Tony Khan's not running Ring of Honor. Why would he run, why, why would he run Ring of Honor and then run Dynamite and Rampage? He's going to be spreading himself too thin. If he runs Ring of Honor, he's probably going to want to get it going right at the start, and he's going to put a lot of attention and focus on Ring of Honor while taking some attention away from Dynamite and Rampage. He's going to put people in charge that know what they're doing. I don't see Tony Khan running Ring of Honor. I don't see Tony Khan doing creative for Ring of Honor. Will he have a say in things that happen? Obviously, he's the owner. But I see Tony Khan hiring his own team to run creative, to be producers, to book the show, to manage that brand and take it to where he wants to see it. There are names out there that are very viable. All the people that WWE let go from the Performance Center, you can bring them on in and put them in charge there. Road Dog, William Regal, Samoa Joe. People like that who have a knack for running a, a creative team and being a part of a creative team and running a show, he can bring those guys in. Imagine William Regal coming into Ring of Honor, running Ring of Honor, being a consultant and a producer for Ring of Honor. Samoa Joe coming on, being a producer and a consultant and possibly an in-ring town. I mean, the, the whole vibe about it, it's, it's unbelievable. The possibilities are endless. And then you can obviously feed into the Cody Rhodes deal. Do I think Cody Rhodes is going to WWE? Yes, I do. I do think Cody Rhodes is going to WWE. But what if? The the what if is still out there. What if Cody Rhodes goes to Ring of Honor? What if Cody Rhodes left AEW to go creatively run Ring of Honor? Imagine that. Now he can be his father in Ring of Honor. He can run his own territory. He can run his own promotion. He can do whatever he wants with it. Why would Cody Rhodes leave something like AEW to go to WWE where he's going to be handcuffed and not be given the creative freedom to do what Cody Rhodes wants and loves to do? Why would he leave Tony Khan? The comfort of Tony Khan's nest to go to WWE and be a slave to Bruce and Vince and be told what to do, be told how to cut a promo, be told what to do here, there, and who you work with, to be a middle-of-the-road guy that's never going to be a top-of-the-line guy. They'll love you when they first see you again, But as you get used to what they now currently do, you'll fall in line with everything else and you'll just be like everybody else, ordinary and not special.
So the idea of Cody Rhodes is still out there. I, I, I refuse to not listen to people. I really do. I refuse to, to listen to these people and say, oh, it's not happening. Right, Cody's going to WWE. Yes, but it's still a talking point. It still should be discussed. It could absolutely happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility at all. This is a major deal for AEW. A major, major deal for Tony Khan. And the future of pro wrestling, the future of Ring of Honor, the the future of of AEW is great. The possibilities are great. There's more positive than negative. There's barely any negative about this. I've never seen so many financial fucking consultants as, uh, uh, as far as what Tony Khan spends his money on and how he spends his money. It's amazing. Tony Khan needed financial advisement, he'd ask. It's not going to ask some fucking random geek on social media with 16 fucking numbers in his at. Let Tony Khan do what he's got to do. You're a fucking fan. Just shut up and enjoy what's going on. We have no reason to complain when the man is trying desperately to give us what we've wanted all this time. He loves professional wrestling. Open your fucking eyes and see that one loves professional wrestling. Vince and Bruce hate professional wrestling. How do I know? Look at WrestleMania's card. WrestleMania. They got Johnny Knoxville competing for the Intercontinental Championship and Logan Paul in a match with The Miz. I'm sorry. I failed to see how they're one and the same. Shut your mouth and leave it to Tony Khan to take care of what he's got to take care of and just enjoy the fucking ride. Guys, I'm getting out of here. Thank you guys very much for all of your support on today's Off The Script. If you enjoy the video, if you enjoy the podcast today, let me know down below. We went over a lot. We went over the Pat McAfee interview. We went over the Ring of Honor situation. We went over all the news that's come out in the last 36 to 48 hours in the world of pro wrestling. If you enjoyed it, hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum. Hit, hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. And make sure you guys go check out all the other videos on the channel this week with more still to come. I will be live for Friday Night Smackdown at Rampage. Rampage is live this week. And then Sunday, we will be live for Revolution. So make sure you guys uh, tune into that as I will be live from the venue on Off The Script. Guys, enjoy your Thursday nights. I will see you back live tomorrow night for Friday. Smackdown and Rampage. And until then, thank you very much. Take care. And I will see you guys live for AEW Rampage and SmackDown from the OTS venue right here on Off The Script. See you guys later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 